Hi, and welcome to the Hip Health is Pow Her podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Anna Esperham. I'm an MD, nationally recognized physician with triple board certifications in integrative functional medicine, pediatrics, and medical acupuncture with special pain training and clinical hypnosis and aromatherapy certifications, and we have a team of healthcare professionals that provide real and evidence-based information to support women on their health and wellness path, and our goal is to empower you to awaken your best self, connect with the true you, heal and recover from health issues, symptoms, chronic pain, illness, life stressors, all while feeling your healthiest, full of vitality and stamina to do what you love. All right. Hello. Welcome to the Help is Pow Her podcast. My name is Ann Clark. I'm a registered nurse and certified personal trainer. I have experience in holistic nursing and lifestyle um, coaching and neurology, cardiac, and now in primary care. So I am one of the members of the Health is Power Her team, and I have had the awesome opportunity to work also with Randy Evans and Anna Esparham on this podcast and membership. And so today I'm actually starting off the podcast because I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Anna rather than her interviewing other people, which is how it usually goes. But um, as you know, she is an integrative medicine doctor. She's a pediatrician. She also has multiple other certifications in aromatherapy and acupuncture and um, clinical hypnosis and experience in pain management and all of that. But um, outside of that, she also has a super interesting home life. And she actually does some of her own homesteading with her husband. They make a ton of stuff um, on their own at their house. They grow things, they have chickens and dogs. And so anyway, I wanted to talk to her about some of her hobbies outside of work that her and her husband do. And uh, so I'll just start it off by letting Anna say hello. And um, Anna, how about for a first question, just wanted to ask you what um, your current maybe animal menagerie at your house looks like, and maybe tell us a little bit about your garden that you have at home, how big it is, what you have planted in it. Yeah, (laughs) this is such a fun podcast. Okay, so currently we've got chickens. So we've got two hens. Uh, We initially started off with five chickens because if you go to the store instead of like a really um, good hatchery that you know about, um, which we're probably going to get chickens from a hatchery from here on out because um, they can't sex them super well. And so you have to have a hatchery that, um, does know how to sex them. Cause it's really difficult and it could be difficult procedures to sex them. Um, so when we bought the, um, chickens, they were supposed to all be hens, but three of them were roosters. And so unfortunately what happened was, um, after just a couple months when the roosters, I guess, I don't know, went through puberty or something, they went cray cray and started trying to kill the hens. (laughs) So we had to take the hens away, um, from the roosters and put them inside for, I think, a couple days. Um, otherwise they were literally going to kill them because those roosters were going crazy. 
they were really like mean school kids oh yeah no <laughs> they were like super bullies super yeah. mean it was like they were mental and uh so then um we had someone come pick up the roosters and finally just the two hens they became best friends um and one of them so one of them is like the chief and that's carol named after carol danvers which is captain marvel and then the other one is the sentinel which is like the lookout chicken um that's their hierarchy and her name's diana prince um so that's wonder woman uh so those are my two chickens and then i've got two mini australian shepherds right now um and we're hoping to expand eventually because we've got We've got a little over um, four acres, uh, but we were trying to find some more farmland so we could get goats, alpacas, and donkeys. That's our eventual goal. I love that. That's so exciting. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. One funny thing about Anna and Randy, when they first got their chickens, I'm pretty sure you named all of them somewhat female names. I mean, yeah, could have gone either way. And yep. then it was funny when three of them were <laughs> roosters and most were superhero tv show related somehow yes. it was pretty awesome so yeah. yes and it if you meet funny. her her dogs are also kind of follow a similar theme usually <laughs> yeah i think we'll continue with the goats and the alpaca naming too <laughs> love that yeah and so um do you mind telling us i know that the primary topic of this podcast is going to be about keeping backyard chickens but um just briefly i also love your all you guys do with gardening. And I think that's an awesome way that people can grow their own food. So do you mind touching on that too? Yeah. Um, so typically we've got probably a little over maybe half acre, um, of garden plots. Um, and right now it's in the back. Well, it's kind of side to the barn where we had horses. And so there was a lot of like horse manure. So it created a lot of good fertilizer because in Missouri, unfortunately, there's a lot of you know, black clay, which is very difficult to garden. Um, so you do have to have really good fertilizer. And so uh, we grow all kinds of berries. Um, so blackberries, raspberries, aronia, berries, uh, strawberries. We have tons and tons of strawberries um, and blueberries. And then we've also got fig trees. And then we grow anything from tomatoes, cucumbers, squash, uh, grow a lot of sweet corn. Sweet corn apparently grows really well. Tomatoes and sweet corn grow really well here. And then um, cucumbers grow pretty well. And then we also grow uh, beans, beans and snap peas and um, beets. Uh, kohlrabi. Nobody knows what a kohlrabi is. It's like amazing. It's this, it, it kind of, it acts like a turnip, um, but you have to peel off the outside and it tastes like um, a, like a jicama, but uh, maybe a little sweeter. Um, and then you just add salt to it. Like you cut it um, just like you would a jicama or just like you would a turnip and you just add salt to it and just eat it, you know, basically raw. And it's like super, it's like my favorite vegetable in the world. Um, Interesting. Can yeah. you roast it too? Or like, is I it mostly No, I just, like I, yeah, it's, it's so juicy. Um, I don't know if you can roast it. I've never done that. So yeah. Yeah learning about new vegetables. I know kohlrabi yeah. and that's, uh, yeah, that's one cool thing about growing stuff at home is you can try out, you know, discover new things. Maybe you wouldn't find in a grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot 
to say about our animal menagerie. Okay, so we also um, have a ton of birds and then we've got baby owls and barred owls because we made them an owl box um, a few years ago and they moved in right away. Um, and so it's a mama and papa owl um, and they have babies every year. So their babies are in the house right now Maybe I can put up a little owl video on Instagram after this. So, cause you can kind of see the babies peeping out of the owl box. Um, so it's kind of fun to watch. Cause we have a little owl camera um, in our backyard that Randy put up. That would be amazing. And also, you know, inspirational for anybody that has some land and maybe you know about some owls that live near your house. You could encourage them to have a little home near your house. So you can observe them. But, it's not too yeah. it's not too hard to make an owl box. The hard part is getting it up um, high enough in the tree. Um, that's the harder part. <laughs> Was Randy climbing up the trees? Yeah, like the and then he arm? like busted his skull open, and I had to oh, like put um, stereo strips on his skull. Good thing he's married to a doctor. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Oh man. Well, um, so speaking of that, you, it's pretty cool. I mean, you guys have a good setup between the two of you. Randy grew up your husband on a farm. So not saying that everybody has to grow up on a farm to be able to do stuff like this, but it does help. He knows a lot of stuff. So what are a few things that you and Randy have made homemade that most people would not expect from your garden or, you know, just some things I, I know this is kind of a part of homesteading. You have to be able to use what you get from the garden and make it into stuff to make the best. You can't just eat like 20 pounds of tomatoes when they're ready to pick that kind of thing. Yeah. So what we do with our tomatoes, for example, is all we do is basically chop them up, you know, to, to where it's, um, good enough to, so we make a lot of soup. So we, Randy really makes batches of soup every weekend. Cause we eat soup once a day. Um, so like chicken vegetable soup or, um, butternut, butternut squash chili, or, um, those are kind of most of the soups that we eat. Oh, and chicken corn chowder. And so the tomatoes we put in little bags, um, and then freeze them. So we basically, everything that we get from the garden, we like chop it up and then put it in bags so that we can just pour it into the soup. So it's its own like tomato paste or kind of, you know, stewed tomatoes, whatever. Um, and then we also pickle our cucumbers cause we get so many cucumbers. So we pickle our cucumbers. Um, and, um, then we also pickle our beets. So when we get beets, um, in order, cause we can get a lot of beets. Uh, so we pickle them and it's so good when you pickle them. Um, and corn, our sweet corn, we also, so if we're making chicken corn chowder, we also go ahead, um, and, um, kind of basically, um, get all the corn off the cob, um, and freeze it as well. Um, because we use it to, um, either just eat sweet corn by itself. Um, when we put it on the pot, uh, and then we also put it in our chicken corn chowder. So those are just a couple of the things we make from our garden. Oh, and then Randy makes all kinds of ketogenic um, desserts. Um, and so he makes like a lot of strawberry cream pie. Um, and then for our berries, he'll make um, some kind of ice cream made from whipped cream. And so he'll put the berries in the whipped cream. And so he'll make like kind of blackberry ice cream in a way or something like that. So it's pretty good. 
That sounds incredible. Yeah. We might have to post some recipes on our website or Instagram later from Rio. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. I'll get that'd some. That'd be great. And um, so let's move on to more focus on the backyard chicken raising, because I think it is, I was just reading an article actually about this. So there was a study, kind of a survey that was done in Colorado recently that was showing that um, let's see here, one percent, uh, nearly one percent of all U.S. households that were surveyed reported owning backyard fowl, which is a lot more than I would have expected. Maybe part of that is because I grew up in like a Chicago suburb, and I don't think anybody I knew, no, nobody I knew growing up had chickens. And then um, it did say too in this study that four percent more of people we're planning on starting to have chickens in the next five years. So 5% total, maybe in the next five years of, of Americans could have their own backyard chickens, which I think is pretty cool and exciting, um, you know, just because it is a pretty awesome, well, what we're gonna get into is the personal like rewards of having chickens and then the health benefits for both you and the chickens. So anyway, we can go ahead and start off with the, this um, kind of just an introduction I'd like for, our listeners to just gain knowledge that you and um, Randy have learned through having your own because you started, you know, I don't think you had had any in the, in the past. Is that right, Anna? No, but okay. Randy had him when he was young, when he was a dairy farmer. Um, so, um, but his was a little different because backyard chickens are a little bit different than sort of chicken farming. Um, so what we did at first was Randy built um, a chicken tractor. Um, so instead of just a chicken coop where they have a run, um, usually you'd have to let the chickens out a whole lot more if they just have a chicken coop and a run um, because they need to have to forage more, especially if you're going to get more like omega-3s and more nutrients from their eggs. Um, and they also need you know, a lot of exercise. So um, what we did was we built a chicken tractor so we could move it every single week so they could have kind of new plot every single week. And, um, but you can buy chicken tractors um, and if you want to, it's just something that's mobile. So it's like a chicken coop plus a run that's mobile and you can move it. Um, and uh, there's, um, you do have to, really keep them clean because, um, you know, there's been salmonella outbreaks, but I don't, a lot of people unfortunately don't know how, like how much work backyard chickens, um, take. And so we do have to clean them pretty consistently. So sometimes, um, if they're in the coop a lot, you have to probably clean it every, you know, it depends, but two to four weeks, depending upon how much there is. So you don't want a lot of the droppings to kind of be all over the place because in the coop, that's where they're going to be laying their eggs. And so you want to kind of keep that area clean. Um, and so you have to use pine shavings, like the really smaller kind is really what the chickens like. Cause it's a little bit softer, um, instead of the bigger kind and they have to have, um, water and food. Um, we put it both in the chicken coop and then also underneath the run, um, because sometimes, you know, it's too hot inside and, um, usually you want to do the nipple, um, the nipple water. Um, and then you also, because if you're out, especially if you're not in Arizona or something like that, 
like that and it's going to get below freezing, you do need like a water heater. Um, and you don't want the one that's like a bowl kind of, because those don't last very long. So the one that is a water heater that's got nipples on the bottom, it still can freeze. So every time you go in um, and check on the chickens every single day, because you do need to do that every single day is to make sure that the water actually works um, because it can get, the nipples sometimes can get stuck. And so without water, they could definitely die. Mm -hmm. Um, so the other thing too, is the food, um, the food, typically most people feed them grain. Um, so when you buy the big bags of chicken feed, so we get like organic, um, chicken feed or chicken scratch. Um, and a lot of that is a lot of grain. So like corn, wheat, um, soy, um, there's some peas in there, um, oats, um, but they can't really subsist on that because it's not like the most healthy form of food for the chicken. So we feed them a lot of mealworms. Um, so it can get expensive. Backyard chickens can get expensive, especially if you're doing it right. Um, and then we feed them a lot of bird seed. Um, like they love the little millet and they love the, the little seeds and the sunflower seeds. Um, and then they do like berries. We only feed them a little bit because it's too much sugar. And then they also love cheese. That's their favorite snack in the world. They actually, when we let them out every single day, we let them out for like an hour to a few hours hours every single day. And we watch them because we've got foxes, wolves, and coyotes in the back. And, and we've got an owls. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if owls are a threat. Fox. Are they a threat to chickens? Well, yeah, but I think they're so used to the chickens. They haven't bothered them when they've been flying around. So except the great horned owl, when the great horned owl comes, he's trying to eat the chickens. I remember when, um, I heard something and I went outside and looked at the chicken coop and an <laughs> great horned owl was sitting right in front of the chicken coop, just sitting there in the grass, trying to figure out how to get to the chickens. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, and so, but anyway, about the cheese, they love um, shredded cheese. Um, so we get raw organic um, cheddar cheese, I think, or it's like white cheddar cheese and we shred it and then they come knock on our door and and come into the house when I open the door, I go to the refrigerator and they literally are there waiting for their cheese to gobble it up. So that's like their favorite snack. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You should like, um, take a little video of this. I feel you'd be viral. I think I do. Chicken, I think chicken snacks. I think I do. I'll probably, I'll probably put that up too on, on Instagram this week as well. I'll have to remember that. Um, But talking about predators now, a lot of people who had backyard chickens, even though you have a coop, um, so something to protect them, right? And you've got a coop fence and everything. The fence really has to be small because unfortunately raccoons can stick their little hands through, grab the chicken, pull them through and rip them apart. So you cannot, you have to have really, really small chicken fence so that the raccoons can't like reach in and grab the chicken. Um, And then the other thing too, is that there are lots of animals that love to dig underneath the coop, get into the coop and just eat your chickens. And that's happened to so many backyard chickens that families have. So especially around this area that I live in. So what we do is when we move the tractor, uh, we put wooden boards and nail them down into the ground to make it a lot more difficult for any animals to dig underneath. And so far we haven't had any problem. I think there was one big animal. I don't know if it was a wolf or what, but dug pretty far. So we just had to put an electric fence around the chicken coop for about a week. Um, so, and then that deterred them. I think he got, must've got shocked and never came back. So. Wow. Yeah. I have heard just from some of my friends now, now that I live in Idaho, I feel like I, 
three of my like five coworkers all have backyard chickens and they have reported the same thing about really struggling to keep their chickens safe but most of them like you they do live on a little bit of land and so i know that like even in regular neighborhoods though where you have you're in a subdivision there are a lot of coyotes and um you know foxes may be less common but still could be there and it depends on obviously what part of the us you're in but yeah so um definitely important to keep them safe and i i think like in some people when they envision having them they just think oh they run free all day and you know that's not necessarily safe if you're not out there watching them especially where you live so um let's see what <laughs> this was a kind of a fun question i wanted to ask you and it it you know segues right into what you've been telling us could you walk us through like a day in the life of your chickens just briefly like um oh actually you kind of already did you talked about snacks but um we so we um in the morning they love like the routine and so um what we do in the morning is we bring them popcorn <laughs> they love popcorn <laughs> so we bring them some popcorn and some seeds and some mealworms because they don't really like to eat the chicken uh grain that's in a bag um they'll eat it like if they really really need it but i think their main food is like a lot of bugs insects um mealworm like we get the dried mealworms um the non-gmo kind and then um we give them bird seeds and then we also give them popcorn and then um we used to let them out in the morning, um, but we got so busy. And now what we do is we let them out around two to like 4 p.m. in the afternoon. And um, that's when they go and forage. Um, and so we usually actually between that time, we'll dig worms for them. <laughs> We're like really spoiling our chickens. You are, yeah, you're uh, I think the chickens have you as pets. They, <laughs> they trained us. Um, so yeah, we dig for worms for them. Um, in near the garden um, and around the fence because it also helps control our weeds around the fence. So when we dig for worms for them, that also pulls up all the weeds. And so that helps a little bit too. Um, and so they get their fill of worms and then they go and forage for other insects and they love clover. And that's like one of their favorite little um, plants um, is clover and they'll eat like little tops off new grass. Um, and, you know, a lot of backyard chicken owners, they'll talk about giving them vegetable scraps. Our chickens don't really like that. Um, and oftentimes it's like too much for them. So um, so they just stick with um, the mealworms, the cheese, which we give them in the afternoon as a late afternoon snack when they come back home um, after they're out for a little bit. And then um, uh, that's, oh, when they molt, um, they'll molt usually, um, they're not supposed to molt in the middle of winter, which ours did because we had roofers and they freaked them out. And then they started molting. So when they molted, they became completely bare. They lost a lot of weight. And so they'll do that for a couple of weeks. And so it looks like they're going to die. So we bought them feather fixer, um, which is um, really beneficial for them while during their molting phase so that they can grow back really healthy feathers. And our um, bird, when they molted, our birds really loved the feather fixer. Um, and then we also bought them this big block of um, bird seed and molasses and grain, I think, which they like to nibble on when they were molting too, because of the molasses probably, even though it's a lot of sugar, but we had to give her some food because she was literally about to die. And then we had to put a heat lamp because she, they molted in the middle of winter. Um, and so we had to put heat lamps, um, um, in both underneath the coop where uh, the run is so she could keep warm and then also in the coop because they 
you'd think that they'd go in the coop to stay warm, but they don't. Um, in fact, you know, even when she molted, she slept outside all uh, winter long, even when it was like negative 10 degrees. Oh so She's, we had to put this bulb. <laughs> What is wrong? So we'd literally like heat lamp everywhere um, outside. And so you have to run a long, long um, extension cord to the barn. So we had a barn. We have a barn. And uh, then we have to put tarps up because the wind can really cause um, disease also. Um, so you want to make sure that they're not exposed to the elements. And it's been really, really windy here um, in near Kansas City this um, year. And so we've had to put the tarp up for most of the year um, to surround them around the run. The run. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of work. Wow. Oh, and then another thing is that during um, summer, when it gets warmer, if their bottom is not clean, um, sometimes the chickens um, can have runny poop and um, you need to keep their bottom clean because they can get fly strike. And fly strike is where flies deposit their little baby um, worms onto maggots onto their butt so oh, that the maggots could eat the poop around their butt and so it can really cause major disease um, in the chickens it's called fly strike and so you have to keep their butt really clean so you do have to wash them um so we some we have to wash one of our chickens because she also doesn't know how to poop she just kind of lets it run and so we literally have to wash her butt like almost every two weeks and so you just wash with soap and water um and then rinse her off with um, clean water. <laughs> oh, do they let you? I mean, yeah, you... yeah. Oh, Diana okay. is fine. Um, they're usually fine with letting us wash their butt. We don't have to wash Carol as much because she knows how to poop regularly. So Diana's just a little bit different. But um, yeah. so yeah. yeah. Oh, and then they also clean themselves through dusting. So you want to make sure they have a good place to dust. And we have plenty of places to dust um, all around the barn and around the trees. Um, and so that's how they clean themselves. And so lice and a whole bunch of uh, mites can get on their feathers and in their skin. And so that's how they stay clean is through dusting. So we also have a dust bowl in their chicken coop so that they can dust any time of the day to keep themselves clean, full, free of lice and mites and stuff. That's nice. Yeah. Now, one thing that um, you didn't mention, but probably because it's somewhat assumed, but the this isn't known to people who haven't had chickens. There's something called grit that they have to eat because they don't have like they don't chew their food. Does that is that something you put in a bowl or is it something that you mix in their food? Well, we when they're chicks, we mix with their food. So there's chick grit because it's a lot tinier. And so we mix with their food, which is fine. So there's a certain amount that you have to mix with their food when they're chicks. Then when they grow up, you can um, start transitioning transitioning them to just regular poultry grit. But when they start laying eggs, which is about, let me see, when they were about like six months of age, I think is when they started laying eggs. Um, we had to switch them over to um, oyster um, grit because oyster shells have a lot of calcium in it. And so um, what happened was when they first start laying eggs, their eggs doesn't have that much of a strong shell. So they don't, they didn't have that much calcium, but when we started adding oyster grit to their, um, 
it was just a bowl. We put it in a bowl outside of their um, food and they just grab it um, um, in order to eat their own food. So that provided them with a little extra calcium. And then they started having hard shells um, around their eggs. So we switched from, we mix regular rocks like poultry grit with the oyster um, grit. Yeah, that makes sense to help the shells. You know, even people take oyster shell calcium sometimes to help with their strong bones. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, um, so wanted to move kind of into the health aspect, both for the, you know, environment, I guess, if you want to touch on that, but not necessarily, but maybe the health benefits of, of your eggs versus store-bought eggs. And then and then next kind of wanted to also talk about the health benefits of the person who is taking care of the chickens. I was looking this up and there's not any, I could not find any good research studies, well-controlled research studies about, you know, anxiety or depression that has been helped through keeping chickens. There is a lot of studies on pets in general, but there's tons of reports on the internet from people who have said their life has been changed from having chickens and just like getting out there and watching them is so therapeutic because they, you know, have their own language and they like are so interesting. And I think it would be interesting to hear from your own perspective, if you believe this too, as a doctor, that you think there could be some health benefits there. Yeah. And then the nutritional benefits. So those two questions kind of, I'm going to throw at you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, most of the chicken, like backyard chickens are pets. So they only lay, so if people are only wanting to have um, backyard chickens for eggs. Well, they only may lay eggs for just a couple years and then you can keep them for another, you know, 10 years as pets. So, um, so you really probably need to be keeping them as pets and they're amazing. And everyone does think that there's tons of books on the health benefits of just having like being with your chickens, watching them being part of their family. Cause the chickens do think that you are part of their family. They actually kind of name you. So like when you come up to them, they're like yelling your name. They kind of named you. It's kind of funny. Like they'll have their own weird name. So cute. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, and then you actually do learn a little bit of chicken language. There's actually a book on it. What is it? Chicken speak. Yeah. I think I read that book. <laughs> chicken speak. I wanted to get some book recommendations from you too. So this is perfect. Chicken speaks really good. And chicken speak does talk about, um, like the health benefits of having chickens and just like the bond that you develop with your chickens because they are pets. And so it is just like pet therapy. I mean, they're not in your house. They are very dusty. So I would not recommend having them in your house. Uh, um, but if you do have to have them in your house and like a kennel or something like that, um, just to keep them away, like if you have roosters or something like that, it's fine for, you know, a couple weeks, or if they're sick, you definitely don't want to keep them around other chickens and um, because they'll, they'll eat the, they're like, kill the chicken to ward off predators and, and stuff like that. So anyway, um, you know, it's been really amazing. I feel like I've just been super happy to take care of the chickens. And um, it's funny how they follow you around everywhere. Um, they'll kind of, if you call them, like, I'll just be like, Carol, Diana, come on. Um, they'll just run after you. Of course, they probably think you're getting worms for them. Um, but they do follow you home. Like if you want them to go back into their coop, they'll come home. Um, if you want them to get back in their coop sooner. Uh, so yeah, they are just like pets. Um, and we try and keep them as healthy as possible. And so, you know, they're, you know, a couple hours of work a day, um, you know, watching them, feeding them, you know, making sure their coops clean, washing them if you have to. Um, um, yeah. So yeah, that's amazing. Oh, uh, nutritional benefits. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. 
uh, nutritional benefits. Uh, well, so if you're not feeding them, you know, the strict grain, um, which isn't recommended as their primary source, um, you do need to, um, make sure that they're getting like foraging. So plenty of insects. So they're going to provide a lot more nutrients and choline, um, which is really beneficial for your brain health and your nervous system. Um, and omega threes, um, which isn't often found in grains. So it's going to be more in like the mealworms, the worms and the insects that they get. Um, and then some of the seeds will have a lot of healthy, um, fats in them as well. So you want to make sure they get kind of a variety of food. Um, and, um, it's much more healthy in, in terms of buying from like the regular store-bought, which is often they're like confined, you know, in big buildings, um, they're stressed. Um, so they're producing a lot of stress hormones, which can go into the eggs. Um, and they're not as maybe as nutritious because they're mostly eating like corn and grain. And so you're not getting like the healthy omega-3s. Um, so yeah, it's, they produce one egg every like 25 hours, usually in the spring, summer, and fall, like if it's sunny out. Um, but if it's not sunny, like in the winter time, it could be just like maybe once a week. Um, it could be less than that, depending if they're molting or if they're stressed, or if it's really, really gloomy or really, really cold, they're not going to be producing eggs. So their reproductive system kind of shuts down in the winter. Now, some people will do like, um, light therapy in the winter because they want to have them produce eggs, but it's not their natural state. It's not their natural cycle. So, um, you kind of don't want to overload them, um, during the winter, that's their time to make sure they're surviving in the winter and they're not going to get sick in the winter because of the severe change in weather. So we don't make them produce eggs in the winter at all. So we're going to kind of stick to their natural cycle as much as possible. That's nice of you. And it sounds like, you know, you mentioned at the very beginning, you said that these are pets first. Secondly, you have the benefit of the eggs. So it's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. I was actually looking up kind of a, a little bit, not on backyard chickens, but on studies they've done on, like, if you go to the grocery store and you're buying a pasture raised egg versus a conventional egg. And it's crazy. Like they have found in certain studies that it can have double the amount of omega threes in the pasture raised egg and more vitamin A. And um, I mean, if you just look at them, the shell is so much different on a pasture raised egg versus a, one of those like very brittle, like conventional eggs. And the ones that I've seen at your house are exactly like that, you know, like really robust shell. And, um, when you look at the yolk, it's like bright yellow. So yeah. And much more tasty too. Um, so that's another yeah. benefit. <laughs> yeah. I've gotten really into this idea of, um, I mean, a lot of people have, but, you know, growing up, I didn't really think about where my food came from. And then, you know, if you drive past like farms and stuff, it really makes you like, oh man, like I want my animals to be treated well. Like even if you'd eat meat, like I want them to have a good life up until the point where they die to, to be eaten for me, you know? So <clears throat> I think it's really cool that there's a movement for this backyard, like farming and then eating local and finding responsible small farms where you can get it's better for your health. And then it's better for the animals, because as you can tell, like chickens, they, you know, they have feelings, they have fears, they have, you know, there's things that really, I'm sure from your experience now, looking back, like, 
you probably are much more passionate about chickens lives now. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Like whenever I see like some, you know, farms around here, they, their chain, there's like 20 chickens in like a much tinier space. Like uh, I think like a quarter of the space that we have for our two chickens and they don't even have room to walk. I mean, they're all just smashed in there together and that's apparently legal. Um, but it's not very healthy for the chicken life. I mean, these chickens are very social creatures. Um, animals, you know, they still have spirits. They're still alive. They, we need to take care of them and we're really overtaking the earth and there's not as much space for the animals. And so that's why we also try and take care of the barred owls. We try and take care of the birds by giving them, you know, the finch seed, the bird seed, sunflower seed. Um, we also give them mealworms too, especially well, we try and avoid the starlings because the starlings love the mealworms, but the starlings <laughs> like to kill all the other birds. So we try and avoid that as much as possible. And then the suet for the woodpeckers, the woodpeckers love the suet, um, especially during the winter. So, uh, so yeah, and it's, it's just hard because there's so much construction and they're taking away their land. That's why we have wolves and we have a mountain lion, we've got bobcats, we've got foxes. It's because there used to be all this forest near us and now it's all subdivision. So they've kind of all moved like near our house where we've got this huge ditch and lots and lots of trees for cover. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's getting kind of tough for our animals and they're getting a lot sicker too, because they don't have the space. They don't have the food anymore. They don't have clean water. Um, and so it's just important to take care of that because without them, we don't have, you know, our natural food. We don't have a healthy ecology. We don't have a healthy environment. And that is what's needed to keep us healthy is that we we really respond to our environment. Um, it's not our genes. It's really our environment that changes our, um, our health. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. It's, it's kind of depressing sometimes when I think about it, but then I think about, well, what can we do with what we've been given? And, um, you know, like you said, you're building a box for your owls. So they have a place, um, trying to like provide some of that natural food that they would have had if there was a forest there. There's things that we can do, even if you live in a neighborhood in a backyard, like look up what native plants are in your area and plant them in your backyard. Like a lot of people now are getting into flowers for bees and stuff. And I know you love, you're very passionate about bees as you should be. And that's on the agenda for the future is beekeeping. Yes. So, but anybody can do that. I mean, it's like, you don't need a ton of space to keep bees and you just have to really research it. Cause I think it's pretty tough, but like, that's just an example. I think um, we live in Idaho and it's very dry climate here compared to where I grew up in the Midwest. And uh, we've talked about like in the future, we're going to try to plant native plants that require less water so we can conserve water. And it also will encourage the natural bugs and the natural birds and all that stuff, you know, to come into our yard, which will be fun to watch. So yeah, yeah it's always, exactly. it's beneficial for, you know, both parties too. And, you know, that's why we kind of feed birds year round as much as possible, just because, you know, a lot of them wouldn't be able to live, um, unfortunately, without the bird seed that we provide, for example. So, and then we do a lot of our um, vegetable scraps. So like any food that we don't eat or that we're throwing away, we don't put it in the trash. We put it in um, these big bowls and then we just take it out in the ditch. Um, so like, you know, the wildlife can just kind of nibble at and the deer, 
like to eat that too, especially in the winter time when the deer, it's really tough for the deer to find food. And so we don't want them to get sick either and spread disease too. So that's so smart. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Cause sometimes, you know, people might get overwhelmed about the thought of composting, like how do you compost, but you could literally just, if you've got a place that you can put your vegetable scraps you've got some land or whatever. That is, that's awesome. Yeah. And people who do have backyard chickens, um, the pine shaving. So like when you clean it, depending like every month or however often they're in the coop, you just don't want too much droppings in there. So however often you clean it, what you'll do is you can put a tarp down, um, put all the pine shavings um, with the droppings on the tarp. And then what we do is we just um, pull that tarp with all the pine shavings and the droppings into the garden. And then we mulch it up and, and then also till it into the garden so that, you know, it will have, it, we can recycle it. It's basically its own compost. So it's, mm. it's called, um, deep, oh, I don't know, deep something, deep, <laughs> deep, deep chicken shavings. I don't know. Oh my gosh. That's funny. <laughs> yes. Well, I, yeah, I was reading that, that you can, you have to take time. You can't just put it directly on the garden, but if you, if you compost it for about four to six weeks, then it decomposes and reduces in size. And you've got, they said that what I was reading is that it's one of the best, um, like fertilizers, chicken, chicken manure is like really high in nitrogen. So yeah. yeah. If you, if you look in our yard where we've had the, um, where we've had the chicken tractor, it's funny. Like right now there's like these huge, (laughs) these huge grasses that are popping up compared to like the other places you can tell where the chickens were. (laughs) That's so funny. Your yard is going to be so healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's like spots. There's like little spots. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, that's wonderful. Okay. I just have a one, one last random question that I thought of that won't take long, but, um, is it safe to let your chickens, like if you have a big garden, like you do, can you let them into the garden, like for short periods to eat bugs or like, is that dangerous if they poop in the garden? Oh no. Yeah. We let our chickens, uh, eat all the, but like they love the grasshoppers and especially, and they like kind of, well, two chickens for our garden don't really keep the insect population down, but it's still good for them because they get a lot of nutrients from the insects in the garden. And so, um, you do because of the chicken droppings do probably, they can have a, a lot of, um, bugs in them, um, like E. coli or salmonella or stuff like that, you do want to make sure you wash um, the vegetables pretty well. It, for those that are mostly on the f- the um, garden floor, so on the dirt, so like if you're cucumbers and stuff like that, like beans that are growing high or tomatoes that are growing high, they're not going to be um, in the bird poop, but you just have to be watchful. If anything drops on the ground, you do want to make sure to wash it pretty well. Makes sense. Well, thank you, Anna. This was super informative. I um, really enjoyed all the stuff I learned from you. And um, I'm sure a lot of people are going to go home. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you convince them they're a lot of work, but maybe some people will like decide they want to have chickens now after they've learned a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or a garden. That's a lot less work. <laughs> yeah. Depends. In the summertime, if you have no water, it's like watering almost every single day. Woo. That's true. That is very true. Well, um, I think, you know, that kind of wraps things up. If you guys uh, want to subscribe, post a comment below on our podcast, um, we can be found on Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes, and also on our website, which is um, healthispowher.com. And then lastly, we've been kind of talking about this every week, but we have an awesome membership going on right now where um, you can join using our 
Health is Power website, just go on there and click that you want to join the uh, membership. It is just a group of women and every month we have a different health topic. So like last month was removing barriers um, to your optimal well-being. And then this month is manifesting, like creating your goals, creating like what you want your health to look like and your life to look like. And so it's really kind of that introspection and like imagination and dreaming and thinking really big. And so basically each month we have a webinar hosted by Dr. Anna or one of the members of the team. So Randy or I will eventually do one too. And then we have kind of some open dialogue with all the members um, via Zoom. And it's been super rewarding. And um, it's been a mixture of just normal people and healthcare professionals and you know just people looking to become a healthier version of themselves, both mentally and physically and all, all of those realms of health spiritually, all that. So it's pretty awesome. Um, we have a workbook too. I would highly recommend checking it out. And I think that's about it. Anna, do you have any other closing remarks and we can wrap this up? Yeah, no, it's just, it's a, an exciting group of women. Um, so if you are interested, um, just drop us a line um, or go to our website, um, check it out. And we'd love to have you. Um, it's ongoing. We're probably going to do another launch here sometime soon, um, probably in May. Um, and we'd love to have you.